Here on the Far Aim, we want to help you sound as professional on the radio as we can. So we have the um, Far Aim uh, 2-2-2 here to uh, help give us some tips. Uh, we have Rob Berger, Scott Boris, and I'm Lee Griffing. Uh, here we go. Scott, I want to start with you. Um, some of the things, kind of the cliff notes with the um, uh, Far Aim section here we're talking about. Uh, one of the big things they want us to do as far as radio technique, phraseology, keeping things concise. And in order to do that, um, we need to kind of plan out what we say we had need to have a, a plan of action when we're going to have these interactions with ATC. What, uh, what, what is your stance on that? Well, how do you, in the, if you review the interaction you've had with ATC, what are some of the things that you've done to make those interactions a little bit smoother? I mean, I've, can you I've, isolate anything? I've even wrote them down, like wrote down what I want to say, just not like fully write them out, but make, make a couple little notes. You know, like you want to say yeah. this, you want to say that, you want to say this, you want this. You can even write down like what your intentions are just so like if you're, I mean, I, I assume like somebody like you who does it all the time, you're not going to freeze up. But somebody like me who's inexperienced, if I'm going in a controlled field, like they start asking me questions or I start telling them my intentions, I might freeze up. I might, it, it's handy to have like a note, notes written, look down, you know, okay, put, get you back on track. I don't know. Yeah, do, in, do in what my, you got to do to yeah right. to keep to keep on, on the point. What about yeah. you, Rob? What do you think about that? I mean, kneeboards, all that kind of stuff. That's kind of what Scott, Scott's getting. At. I love kneeboards in theory. I've bought many of them. I never actually use them. Like they're one of those things that's in the 40th <laughs> catalog, and I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. And then I go to actually yeah, like, put it on my knee with. Oh, I've never used a kneeboard. It's more like yeah, it's more like a scrap piece of paper that's sitting on the. Sitting on my lap or something. It's you a know. sticky note. Yeah, you almost, yeah, yeah. Like you almost have to with IFR flying though when you're getting all the clearances at yeah. least in the beginning. Oh yeah, it's like IFR student clickbait. Oh yeah, right. you know what I mean. It's, I mean, every instructor is probably telling you that you know you need to do it or get it, and they're yelling at you so you want to do better. And but um, yeah, so I mean, when when you have these interactions, you want it to be smooth, and because it doesn't do anybody good, right? To, to, for you to not have your plan. You no. can make three different exchanges with ATC. You can condense that down into one. If, I mean, if, right? If you make a call and you f- you forget something or leave something out, will they correct you or ask you most of the time? If you forget something? Yeah, if it's yeah. something they need to know. Yeah. Right, Rob? Yeah, I mean, coax, coax it out of you if you're not giving them what they are expecting. Well, especially like we've talked about in previous episodes about um, being a student pilot, doing that initial call up, they're going to be so much more understanding if you omit something that's need to know. Right. That's right. Rule number one: you just know. always tell them you're a student, no matter what. Well, yeah, it's not a yeah, it's not a bad not a bad <laughs> you're, tactic. You're, you're an airline pilot. It's just going to make it easier for you. <laughs> Coming in with a, that's true. <laughs> Triple seven. Some of us sound like that sometimes. <laughs> that's for sure. But the, well, you—I mean—you raised a point a little bit ago um, about you know just at the at the level you know certain pilots are at, they sound more professional. It sounds smoother. Well, and I've I've said it before, and you guys know this. It's about how scripted it becomes. You know, everything in certain types of flying, it is so well choreographed. You know what the first call is going to sound like. You know what their response back is going to sound like. You know what the next thing they're going to tell you is going to be. Oh, so don't. it's just choreographed. It's not. Well, well, and well me, that's also. You know, it's just a 
just a guessing game. I throw some stuff out well, it's there. Collateral damage that you're no doing via far. Back to me, you know. Well, that but that comes with time. I mean, that comes with time, and there is an ex- expectation that with the type of airplane you're flying, that you have done it more. And that's how those yeah. professional pilots, you know, the airline pilots, make it sound so smooth. It's not that they have any skill that a GA guy doesn't have. They've just well, they've been doing it longer. They've done it. Yeah. They've do- well, that's yeah. it, and that's all. It they've is. done it so many times; it's almost boring to them. So it's like they're almost tweaking and messing around with it just to keep it novel. What's what's that? Like the professional sounding airline pilot. Like they've done it yeah. so many times, it's all they almost sound like they're bored at times. To me, it to oh, me anyway. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. Well, so I mean that that kind of goes right into something you know Scott's brought up. So Rob, you can talk about this. Scott, you can talk about the other end of it. VFR versus IFR with these two types of interactions. How do you guys like see the difference? I have a perspective, but I want to. What do you guys? Think? I have no idea. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to, um, like, get a clearance right now. Like after I filed. Like I, I wouldn't know what to say because it's been so many years since I've done that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know a whole lot about what, IFR anymore. Well, what do you, well, what do you teleport? What if you teleport yourself like into the airspace? You got there somehow miraculously, and so now you are, you know, in in the you know pick a place, and you have to make that that exchange with ATC, that call up. Uh, that you just got handed off. Let's say your IFR, you got handed off to a certain uh, controller. So you're starting fresh. How would that interaction be different from a VFR interaction doing the same thing? They already in your guys. They minds? already know where you are for the most part, mm-hmm. and what's going well, on. So have, we're VFR. Good in, in IFR, they have a lot more information about everything. I mean, they know the plane. Right, they know mm-hmm. what your intentions are because right? you filed you filed in the flight plan. Right. Yep. Yep. So, well, yeah, and so that I guess that's kind of a function more of the difference between an IFR and maybe maybe you didn't file a VFR flight plan, but maybe you did. But there's a totally that's a totally different thing. I mean, just really in that? the context of the radio. Uh, I mean, you're supposed. Obviously, we all know you're supposed to, and especially you're supposed to for international flying. For the, well, well, right, you're talking VFR flying. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, that's right, Scott. You're, you're talking about VFR. Flight yeah, plan. yeah. If you're flying like point A to point B in in the continental United States, like, does anybody actually do that? I I remember it was. I remember I, doing it. I know I've done it, but just in training, I don't. I never did it after that. I don't think we even did it. Because I I had the 150 with uh, another kid we'll probably have on here. We're not kids now, but back in the day, um, and we'd both gone through flight training in the 150 together with the same instructor. And I had gone to a 141 school. We won't mention the uh, the name of it, um, but the instructor was all excited because he's like, "Oh yeah, you never heard of um, was it Sky Vector or something that you can pull everything up on? I don't know if it was that back uh, then." Yeah. Was that around yep. 15 years ago? And I think so. Yeah, if it wasn't that, it was something like that. And he's like, we'll punch in your yeah. tail number and we'll, I'll show you all the flight plans you fought, like that you've ever flown. He's <laughs> like, I'm going to blow this kid's mind. You know, he pulls it up. Nothing on there. Nothing in the history of the entire tail number. 
Yeah, come to think of it, I don't oh, think wow. we actually ever filed one. I think he just like showed us how to do it. Yeah, no, we sh- showed us how, and we kind of like mocked it one time, so we knew kind of the yeah. gist of what what to do. We never. Right. Actually I don't think filed we ever one. actually filed one. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people don't don't end up doing it. You kind of just do a pseudo a pseudo flight plan and pretend you're picking it up in the air. I mean, I my instructor made me do all that. You got to call in over a VOR and pick it up and all that good stuff, but nobody's doing that anymore. You're supposed to do it for uh, international for sure. And I have taught students to do that just because, I mean, I don't want to pick and choose what regs I want to follow, but I never taught anybody how to pick up a flight plan in the air. I told them how to do it. And, you know, that's part of kind of their check ride prep uh, and oral prep is how to do it and what they're looking for in a sectional and, uh, we kind of role played it on the ground, but we never actually practically did it because you know what? They're not going to practically ever do it in the real airplane. No, you know, now no. you have GPS, you're right. following you the magenta to. line. It's not like you're going to get lost. The only time I've right. ever done a flight plan other than for instrument uh, training is going back and forth to the Bahamas. That's the only time I've right. ever actually filed one. You, you have to right. fly one to get back in. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. And that all makes sense. But I guess what I was just getting at is, you know, in terms of radio communication, um, how do how does that interaction interaction differ IFR versus VFR? In my in my and now maybe it's because I'm I've come full circle that I try to make VFR uh more like IFR flying. Or maybe it's because I've done more IFR that that the radio calls are uh, more polished and put together. I, I I mean I don't really know cause and effect type thing, but I don't see much distinction really difference in how those calls go. Do you guys think there's I, a, a big difference? I just don't have the experience to to weigh in. I I just I've yeah. hardly done any IFR flying other than for the actual rating, and that was over a decade I gotcha. ago. I gotcha. Okay. Well, that that uh, pretty well sums that up. Then I don't think there's that much difference. I think just uh, do the planning like we talked about. Write things down so you know what to say. You didn't leave anything out because if the more you can get in that initial, the the less exchanges you're going to have to have. Just taking up valuable airtime for somebody else who needs to declare an emergency or God knows what else. Do you, Mister Griffin, as a professional Learjet captain? Use a uh, like a a knee pad. Like, what are you writing stuff down on? How do you handle that? I've never, it- I've never used a knee board or anything like that. We do have the advantage, like in the FMSs, they have. Well, not in the airplane I'm flying now, but in the previous airplanes, they have on the FMS. They have what's called a scratch pad. So they, of course, have like the keyboard. You know what I mean? So you can type in all the letters. So like the the time that is most valuable is like when you're getting contact. Uh, you know, complex taxi instructions like echo alpha cross three, four, whatever uh, you can put that in. And there's kind of a shorthand for that too, but that's, I guess that's another day, but in the air, pretty much when they give you instructions and they tell you to do something different, we put it in real time. But other than that, there's not that much that you need to write down. Once you're in the air, getting a clearance, like you talked about before, that's totally different. You know, you need to have that written down and you need to be able to see that and cross check that with what you filed to make sure ATC and you and your crew are on the same page. So, yeah, we'll write down ATIS and clearance. And after that, they're pretty much after that, you're not writing down anything. 
You're just jotting that down a little pad of paper you got next to you? Or? Uh, we Well, you write it down on what are called told cards. So we have, you know, for all our uh, V speeds, which are our takeoff safety speeds and our uh, climb gradient speeds and all that good stuff. That's transport category nonsense uh, for most people. But yeah, so we have, we have you know, required uh, forms basically that we need to fill out for each flight that give us our performance speeds uh, for obstacle clearance and make sure we have enough runway available and all that good stuff. In there, there's uh, spots for ATIS and clearance. And taxi instructions, but nobody really uses them. Okay. So, and I mean, these are, uh, what I would urge all GA pilots to do is do your proper pre-flight planning and kind of chair fly yourself through this flight. Okay, I'm going to contact Tower. I'm going to tell them what FBO I'm going to. I'm going to land. I'm going to make this left turn off the runway because the winds are favoring this. So I know I know a runway I'm probably landing before I even take off. Or I have a very good guess. One or One or two different runways that are you know i'm likely to land if they tell and you then, to land question if they, if they tell you to land on a runway that requires you to taxi across another one runway if they say clear to taxi to whatever fbo you want to go to can you taxi across that runway or do you have to hold and wait again for them to clear you across that runway you have you have to hold don't they they have okay. to say clear to cross something yeah, yeah. there's some phraseology i can't remember yes. exactly what it is yeah i mean any t- just think about it this way just be conservative about it you know what i mean so if they, so you want to hear the phrase yep give me an example like for so uh so you you've i guess i don't know so you've landed and to get to your fbo maybe you have to back taxi a little bit and then there's another crossing runway you're saying so yeah. you have to so you have to turn off the runway, get onto a taxiway, make another and like, then let's cross say, another runway. Yeah, so they're gonna say you know uh, two three Sierra, uh, right turn next taxiway, contact ground point nine, ground point nine two three Sierra. Okay, so they say taxi to parking via so whatever make another right turn. Let's say so you've made two right turns now. So you're on a long parallel taxiway. You contact ground. They say taxi to parking via Alpha cross runway three four. Alpha cross three four Cessna two three Sierra. Am I clear to cross three four, or do I have to stop? If they told you to, if they they told you to in the clearance, clear to cro- cro- cross three four okay. cross runway three four. They'll say clear okay. cross or hold short. Yeah, cl- yeah, one if or the other, and you have to read back. Those if they didn't want you to cross, so they say hold hold short three four. For further inst- expect further instructions, right, right. Does that does yeah, that answer the that, question, that Scott? Answers, that okay, the question. Yeah, yeah. Don't cross runway, and, and you know, no. and if and if if you're ever in doubt, dude, they would a hundred percent rather you ask. You yeah. did not. You did not look bad in any way, shape, or form by asking again. So, I ask for. I ask. Hey, can you get them to say that again? Hey, can you get them to? Can Can you make sure that we heard that right? once a flight dude yeah you know what i mean it's it's so much better to do it's like doing a go around it's not a sign of weakness it's a sign of good judgment right you know to to clarify and make sure that you everybody's on the same page so yeah i mean yeah but yeah they're going to tell they're going to uh tell you to hold short they're going to clear you to cross it so um and there's there's things that we do uh, you know, in bigger airplanes that are a little bit more of a memory aid, but that's a two pilot crew. So you're not as divided 
yeah, you, can you know, as you kind of are. Co-pilot. Well, there's that. There's well, there's that, and well, and they're the ones running the radio, anyways. Right. If so, you're flying the plane, um, somebody else is running the radio. So. Well, even right. on, yeah, even, well, right. yes, Typically. yes, yes. No, yeah, yeah, pretty much 100%. But um, you could always ask for yeah. progressive taxi instructions too, right? Have you ever asked for progressive taxi instructions? Yeah, because no. Yeah, how did it help you out? It, I've done it before and it didn't help me out for shit. No. Well, what just, are progressive taxi instructions? Just step by step, basically. Okay. Oh, that's a like good idea. Right, I right would... turn next taxiway. So Instead I should. Of doing like, that sounds like something I should do next time I go into a controlled field. Well, it's better than turning onto an active runway or doing something else. Right. And it might make you feel a little better, build some confidence up. I'm but telling my again, pilot and I want progressive taxi. They, you don't need to do a student pilot, probably. I mean, the progressive probably should do it, but they've never. And that is something with all of this um, radio communication stuff. You don't want to sound too professional. Because then, if you backtrack and you get to a weak area somewhere you're weak right. in, well, like taxiing you, around on a big, then you're like, uh, what the hell? This well, dude sounded in, like a million bucks. Yeah, if you come in sounding like a like an airline pilot, and then something complicated comes up and you have no idea what to do, you know, they they're gonna yeah. treat you how yeah. you sound. So if you if you come across like I've done this a million times, and then you really haven't, you probably shouldn't act like you've done it a million times if you haven't. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. Be be a, be a little bit humble, I guess. It's like yeah. <laughs> have just, some humility. Just tell them you're a student, no matter what. That's my rule yeah. of thumb. It's like practicing uh, a foreign I mean, language. If you go in and right. you're like you have some phrases down, you can like trick somebody into thinking you actually know how to speak the language. But then as soon as it gets side, outside of like the very basic conversation you're trying to have and guide it, like they realize you just have, no clue what you're talking about. Have you ever tried right. that, Rob? Oh yeah, many, 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 many times. It's, it's like almost it almost happens on a weekly basis for me. <laughs> I'll meet someone who's Russian, and I'll like I can convince them I can speak Russian for about two sentences, and then they're like, yeah, they start yeah. talking back. I remember, and I have no idea what they're I saying. Remember, I remember a specific uh, encounter oh, where you yeah, just we, kept repeating the same sentence over and over again. Yeah, we won't get into that. But it was so good. It sounded I, so good. It was I perfect. nailed. I, it was, some it sentences was I have, I have down. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do have a, a handful of those sentences down pat. Well, that's good. Well, that's kind of like good. learning to talk to ATC. Just remember a few lines and just repeat the same lines over and over again. Really, that's pretty much it. You know some of the things, and you know some of the other things. So you all you have to remember is just a couple things and what they just said. Everything else you knew before you even took off. Yeah. So it's not this big, and you have to look at it one radio transmission at a time. Don't look at it like you're going into a big old class Bravo and it's so intimidating. Just take it one radio well, transmission at I a mean, time. It is intimidating. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I don't want to. Th- make people think that just go blazing in there and don't rehearse anything or don't, you know, don't chair fly it at all. But, well, you know, as long them, as I don't you know have, what I'm doing, so walk me through this, you know, basically without saying it that way, but yeah, well, and they appreciate, I think they appreciate, I mean, I know they appreciate that. Yeah. I know they, 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 they can identify with where you're at and they certainly don't want to discourage a GA guy from coming in to their airspace. Well, they might. That's, if that's for sure. Well, the, I mean, 
Well, they might if they're busy, and this is a perfect segue into some of the other stuff. You got to look at some of the equipment stuff. Some of the stuff that it, that is frustrating to them. It's not necessarily that you're maybe stumbling on some things or omitting some things. They kind of got to coax it out of you. But if you don't have the radio turned up, or if you have a crappy uh, transponder or a radio, or you know you're talking with the mic boom three feet from your face, and it's not a good you know a good transmission. You got to think if they're asking you to repeat yourself a bunch of times, maybe self-diagnose that maybe there's something with your setup that isn't right. And maybe it's an actual junk radio, but I had my transponder checked probably 12, 14 years ago. So I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's good. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? What, what is that reg? The the 24 month reg? Yeah. 24 months. Yeah. Yeah. No, I guess no, if you're not no. going to, con- Lee, they they tell you if it's not working. That's your transponder <laughs> check. <laughs> that was the last time Scott flew into a field, a uh, control field. Yeah, no, I, I haven't, I haven't broken any laws, that's for sure. But right, well, no, no, upstanding yeah. citizen over yeah. here. But if they, a good good transponder check is is talk to air traffic control and they'll tell they'll tell you if it's not working. That's you should always get your transponder checked every two years, right? Yes. Every 24 calendar I, months. I yes. always yeah. did. It's part yeah. of the annual Me elections. Too. No, it's not. Well, yeah, every other year. Yeah, it's but not, yeah. No, it's not part of the annual. No, not really part of the annual, most, but no. I mean, it's most a perfect time put to put it in there. You do those no, every I year. would. No. I said most people, every, most people do that. That's... Just kind of when that maintenance no, is typically done. No, they don't. I look. You, we know who Anyways. does my annuals. <laughs> if they don't care, most people don't care. I bet. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because you don't wow. have to have it. You do not have to have a transponder to fly. You just can't go into controlled airspace, right? Correct. And we do. So you're not required. So you are not required to do it in annual. Correct. Very if good. you don't, if but, you don't fly in any of those airspaces, right, right, but it's not your, it's not your IA's job to do it. If you tell, you know, they're not required to check your transponder. To no, yeah, no, it. it's not, not part of annual inspection. Correct. No. Yeah. It is, yeah, it's not a mandatory part of the no. inspection. But that is a great time while the airplane's laid up to have that done. So if you don't specifically, if you point, don't specifically tell your mechanic to do that. Oh no, they're, they're not going to do it. No, hell no. Nope. No, no, they're not going to check. Chance. Well, most nope. of them can't do it anyways. You need, yeah, like, most of them don't have, you got to have the like, equipment to t- test that. Yeah. I mean, they got to take the altimeter. They got to take it up to like 20,000 feet. Uh, I knew, I off. know where you took your 150. It wasn't getting a transponder check while it was there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and they made sure the light turned on when they yeah, turned it to on. Yeah, that was that That's was your it. transponder check, Bob. Good to go. I assume that was being done. No, hate to break it to you. That was your transponder check. We would we bounced around different mechanics every year, though. So. Maybe that's why we were going to different ones every year. If it was like a transponder. I thought you took it to the same airport. Well, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Bob made sure it was done. I don't know. The the co-owner of the airplane, the uh, yeah, yeah, he, he was, a, he was well, his dad he was, was an airline pilot, so he probably yeah, he made was, sure it was done. He was pretty good with all that kind of stuff, which was which I, was I good, told which was good and bad because it, it was I good told a guy done. 
I know a guy <clears throat> who does it for a living. He's a a radio. Uh, I don't know. He works at a radio shop. And I said, ah, I got to get down there, get my transponder checked. And he just looked at me. He's like, why? I'm like, well, because cause you're supposed to. And he's like, yeah. He's like, whatever. It's like, I wouldn't worry about it. He's like, how often do you go into controlled fields? I'm like, nah, very often. He's like, yeah. He's like, don't don't tell anybody I said this, but don't worry about it. Was this the guy that like, works in Radio Shack at the mall? Kind of no, no, no. Ra- yeah, you uh, said Radio Shop. He I'm said Radio Shack. My buddy works oh, at yeah, a Radio he, Shop. Yeah, he, works, <laughs> he, he works at a Radio Shop. for they, they sell ham radio stuff? Yeah, ham radio He's equipment. Yeah. Oh, he does, he does radio work. <laughs> radio. You it's, know what I'm saying? That's very broad. Uh, what, very broad, okay. yeah. Okay, well, what would you call him then? He's somebody that's um, that's uh, an avionics technician. Okay, probably. He's, an av- he's an avionics <laughs> technician. Okay, whatever. Well, an av- okay, you're adding an credibility av- to your to he's your an avionics here. technician. Okay, and he I told him I he said, aisle I said how much does Home Depot? I said how much? <laughs> I said how much does your shop charge for a transponder check? Because I need a transponder check, and he's like. He just was like, why would you bother? And I was like, I don't okay, know. Well, that's not. Yeah, but that's a different. You got to look at the source. It's not his license or anything that's on the line when he's giving you that kind well, of guidance. Yeah. yeah. So, but I know that you always do the right thing. Scott, you so. have this. Oh, yeah. Un- I mean, I definitely got it done. Scott, you have, this uncanning, you have this uncanny ability to attract, like, not by the book. <laughs> aviation people <laughs> to you as your source. Well, I mean, I definitely did not take his advice and I went to a radio shop and had it checked. So not, I mean, not that guy's radio shop, a different one. No. Cause I was like, wow, this guy's not by the book. I'm not going there. I went to yeah, somebody right. that was clearly, he dropped, it, he dropped it off at West Marine, gave him 50 bucks. Yeah. What's a, what's a really reputable radio <laughs> shop around here? Lee, what do you mean? Like for aviation? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know all the ones, but I mean, G-Force is the big one. That's where I took it. That's the name I was thinking of. G-Force. That's where I ended up taking it to get done. Yeah. Oh, great. Amazingly lost the records. They're at uh, at Akron Canton, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember going, I remember going in there and having them do the transponder check. What? I mean, and that's, that's all the right or the aim and the regs are about is just because things things do break, and I mean, over time, you know, we want to make sure that the altimeter and the transponder, what they're saying, match each other. Right. You want to make sure what ATC sees and what yeah. you see in the cockpit are the same thing. The guy, that's, that's how they maintain separation. The guy I took the powered parachute lesson from gets his checked every 24 months. Well, yeah. So the do powered I. powered parachute guy. Okay. Everybody does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's the law, right? It's the law. Just, just throwing, <laughs> just throwing that out there. Okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. <laughs> I brush my teeth every morning. <laughs> All right. Throwing yeah, that out there. That's the law. That's the law. <laughs> so, anyways, things can break, though, is the point we're getting at, and this is just one acknowledgement by the FAA that that over time, mechanical things break. They degrade. And so we need to maintain them just like we do ourselves with our 
uh, physicals, just annuals like we do with the airplanes. This is just another example of that. So no. along with the train, go ahead. Do you, do you know I thought how... I was talking, but okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. No, please. Do you know how the ADSB has changed the transponder? Has it changed the transponder regs at all? Because uh, does, does, ADS, so. does ADSB work with the transponder, or is that yes? Okay. Yes, you uh, you yes. you have to have a transponder with your ADSB. Correct. I mean, for That's the that. most part, like all the ten ninety. So for international travel and flight above eighteen thousand feet, so flight level one eight zero, you need what's called um, an extended squitter. So ten ninety. So like what most people are doing um, in the lower forty eight, they're doing a nine seventy eight megahertz um uh adsb out and that satisfies the 2020 reg but for over flight over 18,000 feet flight level 180 and international flight going to canada mexico whatever for us that's the most pertinent um you need the 1090 extended squitter and that works through the mode s transponder that's why the costs go up so uh exponentially between you know some of the the you know, more cost-effective variants to be compliant, it's an exponential increase to get something that is working with your transponder. Um, so, yeah, th- it's it's through the Modest transponder for the most part. But, yeah, you still have to have it. You know, it's a requirement above 24,000 and all that good stuff. Just like always, Mode C Veil is still there, still yeah. live and well. So, um. Yeah, I don't know of anything. You, I'm not as up on it as some people are. Probably you need but. to have your 24 out for 24 month check to go into the mode C veil, right? Yes. 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 So, which is yeah, get that done. Be a problem if well, I did. No, I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to everybody oh, else. Yeah. Okay, it can be a problem if you let it expire in your radio shop is within the mode C veil. Well, yeah, you can get, you know, not an exemption, but you can get. Yeah. What are you supposed You're supposed to call ahead, right? Yeah. Just call them, call them a couple hours ahead or whatever. And, um, get authorization to go in there. Now. I mean, I, I know where you went. I know about what that course would look like. I know what you did. (laughs) Um, but (laughs) I call it. Yeah. You can, Oh right, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. You gave him three hours notice. Oh not yeah, just two. You yeah, gave him three hours sure. notice. Um, <laughs> always, of um, course. Well, yeah, and that's that's the right thing to do, and I'm sure they were fine with it. And honestly, as you and I both know, you probably didn't even need to call ahead; just no. blast right on through. Yeah. They won't know the difference. Yeah, you go get your they transponder probably, checked. They done. probably they wouldn't know. know. I don't know if they no. wouldn't know or not. Wait, it, no, they, no, they wouldn't. I mean, unless something is broke, but this is just maintenance to make sure nothing is broke. That's all we're looking at. If you're if you you're know, not anywhere you need a transponder, can you legally turn that off? Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be on though, if you have it installed. Yeah. Was it le- like is this does that the AIM say that or is there an FAR that says that? Yes. Uh AIM. The AIM uh, says that. I don't believe that's that's, uh, yeah. that's just suggestions. That's Scott's suggestion yeah. book. Strongly worded suggestion book. Yes. I, I mean, I, I could look it up and verify it, but I mean, I'm pretty sure it's only in the AIM. There might be something in 91.215. I'm not sure. Two, 205, maybe 205. 
Something like that. I'm not going to memorize all that shit. But yeah, I mean, it's it's in there. It's either there or in the aim for sure. If somebody's really curious, the final letter of the law, I guess it kind of doesn't really matter where it is because this Bible here does tell you somewhere inside its covers to if it's on or if it's installed, it should be operable and should be operating in definitely in controlled airspace. So, I mean, just think about it. Like technically in class Delta airspace, you don't need to have one. You know what I mean? But no. if you have one, it should be on. It's class, class Delta. But, you just need a two way radio communications, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Correct. But, uh, but class back, back to Charlie, the transponder requirements. Class what? Charlie, you'll need a uh, transponder, right? Okay. Yes. Yep. I mean, and, and we'll get into this in the next episode, I know, but I mean, whatever. But this is the the regulation with the transponder checks. That's just them acknowledging the fact that over time things break. Right. Keep it up to that because that could be a a separation issue for ATC if it's not maintained. So so among those maintenance issues, um, there's stuff, you know, for us that we can do to help. You know, we think, um, you know, we just put emphasis on, you know, plan ahead. Um, what you're going to say to to minimize the time you're taking up in the air. Well, the same can be said. Yeah, maybe you've planned it all out and everything is is really concise and you've gotten all the all the uh, information to them that they would want to hear. You've done that, but if you're transmitting with again the mic boom three feet from your face, who knows what amount of that information you gave them? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you spoke the words, but if it went through, you know, a foot of of ambient loud ambient noise in the cockpit you didn't do anybody any good so those are all the stuff you want to start checking i mean what i mean i there's other stuff that you can like check um before you're keying up and taking a precious airtime. can you guys think anything else mic boom placement what do you want about it you put on about an inch or less from your from your mouth right yeah yeah i mean you i mean you should be almost basically able to purse your lips right and be able to if touch you, the if you kind of stick your lips out they should probably touch it you know yeah so i never use rental and rental that, headsets and that's uh, a perfect point dude if you're in a situation where you are using a community headset you get a sandy white disgusting <laughs> it is oh my god kind of and you know for that matter like that get a sandy wipe Get a Lord, bag of bring your own headset. and wipe down everything you'll touch. Bring your own What'd headset. you say, Scott? Just bring your own headset. We'll do that, but sometimes that's not. I use a community headset. Really? Every day I go into work. You don't bring your own headset. Hell yeah. Why not? What the? I thought you had a nice headset. Why am I going to do that? You guys actually you have, have the jacks? Nice those are hard installed in those planes, aren't they? Oh, are they? No, these have. Um, these have. Um, no, they're not hardwired. These these have the airlines. They well, even the airlines, they're not. They, there are specific jacks in some of them, but in this airplane, these are just normal. Go to Sporties, buy them, plug them in. I'd be having my own. Yeah, I wipe them down. Well, you say that now. You well, say what, that what now. Kind of I said that too. What kind of headset do you use? Bose A twenties. Oh, well, that's probably better than. You got, you got cor- anyway. Oh, better than what you're bringing. So now the tunes you got change. The coronavirus huh? judging me. going around. Uh, I, got, I got the. I, well, <laughs> that's true. I don't. Ha- I can't grab one from here, but I I can see one in my line of sight. I have a wet ones. 
You buy, buy them in a box. And they're like an alcohol wipe, but they kill 99.9%. Yeah, but, but they stay OCD. wet longer. Nobody else cares about that shit. You guys are just talking about coronavirus. If I get the coronavirus, I'm going to spend my last days looking for a girl with Lyme disease. <laughs> anyway, that's good. Oh do, do people do do people do radio checks? Is that a way you can check your setup? Is it? Oh I feel God. like that's more. I think I feel like that's more accepted in the in the boating community than it is the aviation community. I heard I've heard people do it. I think it's so annoying. But I mean, the point. Embarrass your, I, I don't want to say embarrassed, but y- you do a little bit of that on the ground it can save you a lot of heartache later. But the way I feel about it, you guys tell me what you think. The way I feel about it, there are so many variables that can happen between the time you did that radio check on the ground when you're doing your taxi checks and your run-ups and stuff that can happen by the time you're keying up to talk to ATC. That yeah. basically renders that uh, radio yeah. check inert, in my opinion. Well, I've done hours of flight training with the volume all the way down because I wanted to be able to talk with my student. So we were in the pattern like 1.2 hours the whole time. I had the volume all the way down. Like, man, it's a nice day. So quiet out here. I'm making all my radio calls and I, uh, we were, uh, we were on like a downwind and we saw a jet coming in and I, and I saw him. Or maybe we were on base and there was a jet coming in. I'm like, man, he didn't make any radio calls. I wonder if he's in the wrong frequency. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. I had the volume all the down the whole time. He probably yeah. made all his radio calls right. for 20 he's miles. Probably like, what is this I didn't hear a single doing? one of them. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what he's thinking. I was the idiot in that case. But yeah. you know, you don't want it so loud that you can't really talk, you know, instruct your student. Yeah. So that's just one of those things, you know, so you, so you have your transponder check done, you have, you know, your mic boom placed, but then volume control. Rob, do you remember that one time? I think you were with me. We were out of like somewhere in Illinois when we were out there doing our CFI stuff and we were holding short of the runway and I called the tower cause we were ready to taxi, called the tower again. We were ready to taxi, nothing. So I just like, and I don't know why I would never do this now, but I let off the brakes to taxi forward and I immediately got a light gun signal. Do you remember that? Maybe that wasn't no, you. With I don't me. think I was with you in that one. A light gun. Okay, signal. So yeah, we were holding what do you mean by that. Yeah. I got a light gun signal. Does that mean so like, like stop? they could. Yeah. So they gave us a solid steady red, which is stop. Yeah. And so on the ground, it means stop. And so, so we're, we're on the ground and I don't know. I wouldn't, again, I would not do this now. I don't know what the alternative would be, but I keyed them up. I tried calling them multiple times and no answer. And so they could hear me, obviously. I just had the volume turned way down so we could talk. And when I finally was like, okay, I'm just going to go or turn around or do something. I don't know what my thought process was at the time, but we started moving. And as soon as we started moving, like and signal, and this is in the middle of the day. But it was so bright from the now, mind you, the tower is maybe only a couple hundred yards from us. But it was so bright in there in the middle of the day, like it was no doubt what is going on in here. Like we're getting abducted by UFOs, bright in there in the middle of the day, like a noticeable change. It was it was it was really really incredible to see it actually happen. Because I mean, you think about light gun signals. Oh, I'm only going to see that during the day. But I mean, this thing is. So and they might have a day night mode. I don't know, but Probably. it was so bright, it will be unmistakable to somebody if they're getting light gun signals. 
I just want to throw that out there. That's pretty but sweet. Make sure the volume is. I never got one. Well, well, I remember one time. Well, that's the only time. I remember one time. Uh, Scott, do you remember when I we took the one fifty yeah, well, at a well, night we flight? Into, to, it was a night uh, flight in, into Toledo. Was I know we went to uh, Indiana or Indianapolis, and then we went to Toledo after that, or something like that. Yeah, we were doing some long night cross country right. thing. I don't know if yeah. it was for a rating or just yeah. because we felt like flying at night. I think it was, it was like, for your commercial. Maybe because it was. Remember. It might have been something like that. We we were at Toledo. We land. Yeah, the knob, we, we the knob fueled, broke off of your yeah, radio. We fueled up. We fueled up. We're taxiing out. We're on ground, and we taxi up to the runway. And Scott's changed the radio and breaks the knob off of my radio. Like in between frequencies, so it was just on well, some random. Fault. It was some random frequency that Scott broke the knob on. We're sitting right What's in the middle of Toledo at like quarter after midnight, trying to like. I figured figure they out were, how to change it. I think I. I think we ended up using like a, a pliers or something. You've, that you had in the you plane dug in it. Turn it. Doug found or like a, a screwdriver. I don't remember what we used. Yeah, yeah. You had you had like a pair of pliers in the plane for some reason that we used to change it. I don't remember. But yeah, we got it. We got it. We got it switched somehow. Yeah, that's I was. But the whole time I'm thinking I was looking out for light gun signals. I'm like, all right, we don't have radio communications. Like, isn't this the time they're supposed to use light signals? And we never got any. Were you on the way out or we were about to take off? I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. Were you taxiing? Were you moving or were you stationary when this happened? Uh, I think we were holding short of the active runway. Grounded just okay. grounded cleared us to the active runway and we got to the to the active runway and they they switched us over to tower frequency. And when Scott was went to go grab the radio because I was doing like a run up or something and Scott broke the entire I'm surprised you didn't break the whole radio just off the dash with the way you were handling oh, that, Scott. Me too. I'm <laughs> I'm super strong. So it's Sometimes, <gasps> I'm so strong so, yeah. that it's just it's hard to control so it. You know? So we're sitting there and Scott's breaking out tools and stuff to try to manually change the radio thing. But never got light gun signal out of all that. I just I wonder, you know, in those moments when you're like frantic, like, you know, let's get this fixed, let's get this fixed. I wonder how much time actually elapsed. It's probably a few minutes. Few uh, like literally three minutes or more. Maybe, yeah. But maybe they just thought wow, we they might have thought we were just doing a run up. Because I was doing a run-up and stuff. Well, they... And remember, these airports are so used to jet traffic that they are totally inept at handling piston traffic. They have no idea how long a run-up should take. It's like a steam they engine. See it. I don't understand how they even Seriously. work. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. How much coal are they putting on that thing? Right. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy. They just, they just don't know. They're not... They don't see it enough to really get a good feel as to how long it takes, you know, for a warm up, run up, different airplanes need different checks, different pilots do different things, different checklists, whatever. So yeah, that's, uh, that's actually a really good point. I didn't really think about that. They might've thought you were doing a run up. Yeah. So five minute, a five minute wait time for them. Yeah. Been like nothing. That and it was a quarter till midnight. So we're the only ones there. So it's like, whatever yeah. they can, they can there sit there for some, a half uh, an hour. There was some uh, cargo some uh, FedEx planes going in and out or something. I remember yeah, that. We weren't hold. The thing was, we were the where they had us. We weren't holding no. anybody up. So no, they were landing on a different oh, runway than where we were. That's good. Yeah. And you know, honestly, even if you were holding people up, like on signals, really weren't going to save them. I mean, I guess they could have just given you, you know, clear to take off. Um, but, but 
Scott, would we have known what they were trying to like? I expected. No, like, that's in, my, it, in my mind, it's a steady green. In my mind, you would have I'm known. thinking they're going to start shooting light gun signals at us, and I go, I have no clue. Like, right. I, I, yeah, looked that up. I don't know because, like, you know that. Yeah, I used to know that, but I don't. Steady greens means cleared, right? Yeah, clear to take off or clear to land. And in, red, you would have known. The, red, red know, means shut the plane off moment. and get out. Right. Red means shut the plane off and get out, right? No. No? Oh, no. okay. Let's stay on let's stay on topic here, maybe <laughs> a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. I don't I don't know what I don't know what they mean. Red means stop, I assume. Green means Well but there's flashing red and flashing green, which okay. mean different things. Well. So are we? Are uh, we, I mean, are we talking about this I now? Need, I, well, I mean, we are on we are on radio techniques. I feel like light signals are part of radio techniques. If you not? lose the radio, uh, okay, I'm I'm all about it. So you have to look at the parallels between what something could mean in the air versus what it could mean on the ground. So steady green, or uh, so if you st- if you start 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 somewhere, so start from a stationary point on the airport, and it's easier to kind of think about it. Um, obviously, um. And actually, flashing red on the ground, I'm a little uh, hazy on. Why don't we do an own episode this season on this? Well, we can. Are you saying quit on this now? That's maybe a better idea because I'm not 100% sure what flashing red on the ground. I could make a whole episode out of light signals. I have no idea. We could. could, The way we're doing, we're 45 minutes into this now. I bet we could figure out a way. Yeah. Yeah. And th- and that's with uh, Rob probably, and I trying to keep things on track. There's probably more relevant things we could cover than light signals because who the hell uses light signals anymore? Well, well, he, I guess the big point. Remember the ones ATC are going to use flat or steady red and steady green. Yeah, and those are all pretty common sense. Re- f- steady red, stop or go away if you're in the air, or take off or land. Those are the big ones. If you can just work in from the bookends of steady red and steady green and work towards the middle, you can pretty well figure out what they're trying to tell you, except I really can't with flashing red. I would have no idea. If you're listening to this, you're like Anyways, private and like I used to have a little to memorize them all, then you know, we've been flying a long time and we don't have a clue. So don't feel too I used bad. to have a little card in my plane that told me what they all meant. I, yeah, it sounds like you've put it to good use. I had a kneeboard that had it all on there, but that I never used after I bought it. But well, we don't use kneeboards. We throw those out exactly. in the trash. Exactly. Sitting in my flight bag. Like the back <laughs> just like cargo. Scott's Carby cable. Yeah. Just, Every just month, throw, get a new one. Throw them out the window of the plane while you're flying. When are we, we going to cover the uh, tossing things out of the plane regulation? I, I don't know. That'd be a good one. I don't know. We already covered class Bravo, so that's a. I mean, the opportunity has passed. We Scott and I did. We'll we'll save it for that episode. But Scott and I have yeah. some dropping stuff. We have some experience with, with doing we, some drops. Uh, oh, God. we did a shocking amount of that for. Yeah, we did. For it was a good time. Yeah. That was <laughs> like we went through a phase where like we read that reg and we're like, right. wait, it's legal. Like to we're gonna out. push this to the limit. Yeah, so we, we can make an episode <laughs> out of that. Lee, you weren't around for a lot of that. That was we're gonna no. have some good. We, no. we pretty much we pretty much decided we were going to do everything that we could do that was legal, just right on the edge. We, right yeah, on the we edge. We threw oh, a plethora of different objects out. Oh anyway, yeah, we threw a, all, all kinds on. of stuff out. Yeah. Did we cover? 
there's something in here about flight service station because we we are technically covering 4-2-2 still, right? Yes, we are. Okay. We're covering it meticulously, yeah. in fact. What? <laughs> Is there there's something about flights FSS specialists like jotting down yeah. with radio technique? They're so special. They're so Do, special. Does anybody use flight service specialists anymore? FSS? Do so, that exist? It does, and it's actually very common, but it's typically when a tower is closed. So it's all, I mean, we're talking mid after midnight. Who the hell's flying at midnight other than airlines and, you Scott know. Scott and I breaking our radio and Toledo yeah. tarmac. Well, if you're going well, into yeah, class. But you, yeah, but you're C- out of class, Charlie. If you're going into class C or B, they're probably still open. They're all, yeah, they're open 24-7. There's yeah. probably some class C that might turn, like, turn off, but yeah. I don't know of one. Class I'm sure there's Delta one out there. Turn off sometimes, but. Oh, well, most of them do. Yeah. Most of them are done at 11. So, and then it just yeah, goes 11, to, 11 uh, midnight. Common traffic advisory yeah. frequency. Yeah, right? your tower frequency turns into your CTAF. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's when you're a flight service specialist. And so you're going to get your clearance through them, or you can just take off VFR. The only time, that, obviously, you can't do that is when the weather is below IFR or VFR minimums. So if you can remain, you know, um, VFR, take off VFR if you want. Sometimes it's a little harder to do. It sounds real easy, but when you got a hundred people sitting behind you counting on you to not do something stupid, you know, you don't want to go take off VFR. You know, but so that's they're at towered fields when the tower isn't open. Well, you're do well, yeah, but flight service could be a remote location. Okay. I'm just imagining So like Cleveland Flight Service, and I don't even know where they are physically, I do not even know where they are. They might be at the airport, but I'm talking like let's say you're at um well, uh, Cleveland's maybe a bad example, but if you're out like in uh, um like somewhere in the Carolinas, like you're at um uh, uh obviously I can't think Raleigh. Well, that's a that's a class Charlie, so that's a bad example. This makes something Pitt Greenville. Uh, I mean, okay, no, not even a class Delta. Go to a class E airport, and the weather. So that's technically a controlled airspace. So if the weather's below VFR minimums. You need, you know, uh, you need a clearance and all that good stuff. And so flight service is going to handle that. It's a pain and it takes twice as long to get a clearance through them because you talk to them. Then they have to go request your clearance from the controlling agency, which is a center controller or uh, an approach controller at a different facility. It's it's a layered thing. Flight service, you know, so they can give you a lot of in, in-flight weather advisories, all kinds of stuff. They can handle your flight plan, open, close, all that, like we talked about earlier. They're the ones handling your in-flight um, opening and closing of your flight plans. Um, weather, routing, air mets, sig mets, convective sig mets, all that good stuff. They, they're a really great resource, but they are cumbersome to use, and I have to be honest with you, probably only two students um, have I ever um, really utilize them for the student. And that's who you're talking to back in the day when you were filing a VFR flight plan. Call them up on the phone. We're filing an IFR flight plan before flightplan.com. I don't know if you guys remember uh, that, but yeah, I mean, that's who you're talking to is flight service. I remember I talked to them once with Don and like yeah. it, it just seemed so irrelevant to everything we were doing. Like it was like a fun call, tip. Of, it was like a fun tip of the day or something. Phone, right? We called them. Yeah, on the yeah. Phone. You call them on the phone. Yeah, yeah. You can do it online. Is that, now. is that the people we're 
Yeah, flightplan.com. Is that okay? Oh, so that fl- would be a lot easier. So the I always hated talking to those people on the phone. Is that the one eight hundred WX brief people? Well, I mean, that is the generic. I mean, that is the network. I guess is who that is. Okay, because we do. So when you went like, go ahead. I said we do that all the time. The WX brief, right? When you're talking about the flight service station, so that would be flight service Cleveland, flight service Detroit. When you're talking about flight service station, that is kind of a a specific, um, you know, specific specific location. Okay. Flight service station. That that one eight hundred W expert. You know, that's just kind of your generic. Get you in the system. Patch you into the system. Yeah, it's and and that's a, probably a dying thing. I don't know how those people keep jobs. I have no idea how all that stuff works, you know, because it's, it's with the prevalence of for flight flightplan.com, all these third party services that are handling flight plans and weather brief. Nobody's calling to get a weather briefing anymore. All that stuff's in for flight or whatever other service you get all that online. So now I don't know if those people are still required to uh, populate and make those forecasts, like put them in the system when they get stuff from the national weather service. Who knows what all the behind the scenes stuff is, but where the flight service station will become will come into play is typically for I coincidental or weirdly enough, it's going to be for IFR people who use them the least. And then once you tick over midnight and you're at some of these, you know, out in the boonies airports where the tower closed or they don't have a tower at all and the weather's bad, that's where flight service station will come into play. So it's kind of odd. You know that it's IFR who use them the least in normal times. Once you get into late night or early, early morning, that's when they're the only ones who are going to be using it. It's it's just kind of weird, kind of like a uh, a day and night type thing. But yeah, flight service is, is definitely definitely alive and well. That's for sure. Okay, there's something here about performance range of your radio equipment. Oh. Like, yeah, okay. is there? Way- yeah, I, I, I didn't know when you had more on a specific topic or not. But yeah, radio range. So yeah, we're always subject to the, the range of the you know line of sight and all that stuff. Just like the VORs and nav aids, same thing. So I don't know. Have you guys ever had a? You know, you're going. You guys, um, going somewhere. Have you ever tried to pick up the ATIS and can't hear it, or tried oh, to yeah. contact somebody, and you couldn't? You couldn't get a response, well, or uh, you could hear them, but they couldn't hear apparently you. Apparently, you cannot get the ATIS from Port Clinton while you were on the Putin Bay Island that was made very clear uh, to us yeah. in a previous episode. Yeah, you, were, you were pretty upset when he thought he could get it. <laughs> I don't know how you guys remember all that, but yeah, no, you definitely can't. <laughs> we're still, we're still no. going to test that. You I, can, I promise you, you can't. I can get the Port Clinton ATIS when I'm like right off the ground at Huron. Right off the ground is a very subjective term. Okay, 200 feet off the How ground. How many feet? Yeah, you're a 200-foot-tall antenna. Oh, okay, whatever. I'm How saying. far do you think a 200-foot-tall cell phone tower goes? I don't know. Don't care. Well, think about it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess I guess you could probably get line of sight 200 foot to Port Clinton from, from here. What's the... What's the what's, well, and... Well, you're talking you can get the ATIS 200 feet off the ground, or you can hear the 22-8 the common traffic off, you know, I think, well, I don't know. I think I can get the ATIS. So it's been a while since I've done it. 
I don't. I couldn't. Well, tell yeah, you, me too. Me too. I me know too, I've had it too. tuned in shortly off the ground, and I could get it, but I don't know how. I don't know what my altitude was. Okay, two hundred. Um, two hundred feet is a huge difference. You know, when you're talking the line of sight thing. Yeah, I mean, maybe um, maybe I was higher than that. I don't know, but I just know I could get it pretty shortly off after takeoff. Yeah, and, and no, and that, that yeah, that's a huge swing. You know, what's the curve of the Earth is like twenty miles, right? right? You can't see yeah. beyond the curve of the Earth at twenty miles. Well, it's got to be more right? than twenty miles, right? No, I'm pretty sure well, it's twenty from from surface level. So if you're on if you're on the ground, yep, you're on the you ground. Can't see more than twenty miles. If, well, no, you can't. Well, yeah, you can't see more than like it's less than twenty, like with our vision. Really? There's too much atmosphere. Well. But, I'm saying if you had if you had binoculars, if you had binoculars like a high power like telescope almost right. like a super crazy something, twenty miles is the curve of the Earth. Really? I did not know that. Oh. Yeah, well, well, I mean, it was just you know like when the Navy SEALs are getting dropped off the shore somewhere, it's always more than twenty miles out. Yeah, so you can't see them. So because you can't see them. Anyways. Uh, from Port Clinton to Putin Bay is like 9.8 miles or something like that. Yeah, so, so I was halfway the there. Line, above the tree line, I'd be good. Oh, even less than that, I'll bet. Yeah. I mean, if you're 30 feet, yeah, I mean, 30 oh, feet, yeah, sense. I guess above the tree line. Yeah, yeah, 30, th- 50 feet, 30 feet. Yeah. Take off. Here you go. We, we take off with it dialed in and see when we start getting it. You can also just call it on your cell phone before you take off, too. Because they all have a, a phone number. Yes, that's what I always did with it. Yeah. The, yeah, that, I mean, that's the easiest thing, of course, to do. Yeah. But why were you calling it, per se? To see what runway to take off of from Putin Bay? No, no just, we're just checking it, the weather. Yeah, checking the weather. Winds and oh, visibility, sure. ceiling. You know? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of times, yeah, you, I, well, you know, think about it. A lot of times, we're we're along the lakeshore here, so it could be fog. You know, that's what I would worry about the most is fog. Sometimes fog would roll yeah. in, and you can't see. That's anything. a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Typically, the fog coming in from the yeah. The, I mean, I don't know that that would work too much, or I, I don't know that that that's practical. I, for I know a guy who took off in, Bay with the, in complete fog cover like couldn't see couldn't even see like 10 feet in front of his face at Putin Bay and he took off just hoping that it was clear and here on it, it was but you know it can be that much difference just between here and there oh yeah the direction yeah. of the wind oh hell, oh absolutely yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah yeah I've seen a lot of crazy stuff done myself yeah. done a lot of crazy stuff myself um yes yeah, so we've talked about um yeah, line of sight. And you know what? In my experience, if you know you're up in the if you're kind of in the eighteen below eighteen thousand feet, if you're in class E airspace, um, you got good range. You probably got a hundred and hundred and twenty miles that uh of range that you should be able to receive. Receive. Yeah, receive or transmit. That's really like that seems that more seems than my. Oh yeah, well you gotta think high was like listen. So think about high was. Like, whether. Li- no, well, 
hazardous weather inflight hazardous inflight weather advisory service HIWAS. Um, I believe the the closest one for us is over drier VOR, and that is good for 150 miles for sure. That's 150. Okay, the miles. big tower pumping it out. Oh, uh, that's just the VOR. I don't know how many watts that is. I don't think but if my it's radio pumping it out, you can receive that. it. Um, I, you know, I used to know how many watts the standard general aviation uh, I'd be, a transceiver I'd be is, and I don't know what it is. I'd be surprised if you yeah, get 50 miles sometimes. Yeah. What? Well, it depends on what altitude you're at, obviously. That's the whole point. That's the, that's the thing, the line of sight concept. I don't go very high. Feet. Long. Well, and I understand that, too. I understand that, too. But okay, like look at it this way. If you're at 18,000 feet and it can go 150 miles, so if we cut that into threes, that's every 6,000 feet. So if you're at 6,000 feet, you should be able to go 50 miles, which is about lining up with what you guys are saying. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 18,000 divided by three is six, 6,000. Right. So if it's 150 divided by three, that's 50 miles. So we're somewhere 50, 40, 50 miles, you should be able to, uh, transmit and receive pretty easily but obviously wattage on your transceiver uh you know would would de- uh, affect that would determine how far you know you could you could transmit to the reception part is pro- a little bit more obviously dependent on the, the 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 transceiver on the other end how many watts is coming out of that that ADIS or high watts or that control tower or whatever so yeah they got big um go ahead. i say the bigger antennas a lot more wattage than an airplane uh, can carry. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And that's a lot of times why they sound clearer than we do to them, which is something we have to remember. We might sound great or we think we sound great or whatever, but, you know, we're putting out, you know, maybe a third or less of the wattage that they are. So, you know, it's not getting not getting pumped out the same. Um, One of the kind of the cliff notes on the, the last little bit here. Um, with ATC, you know, if you if you have all these things that we've talked about, you've got a good, uh, a well-tuned uh, receiver setup, transceiver receiver setup, and the volume's up, and you've tested that, so you can pull the squelch and make sure the di- the the volume's dialed in, or you can tune in an ATIS frequency and make sure that's dialed in correctly. You can do a radio check on the ground. Let's say all those things are good. Your equipment's good. Your mic boom is right where it needs to be. Everything else is good. And you're still not getting through. You got to remember, ATC has a lot of jobs. Like we think, okay, I'm going to call and they're going to answer me right back. Right? I mean, that's kind of the thing. But they're not twiddling their thumbs. I mean, I mean. It could take a minute, right? Well, not a minute, yeah. but, it, you know. Oh, no, it could take a solid yeah, minute for yeah. sure. It just depends on how sure you are on uh, having the right frequency in. Right. You know, did you did you look that frequency up or was it told to you? Did ATC tell you the right frequency? Everybody's human. That's kind of the general overtone of all this when we're talking to them is we got to remember they're just another another human being capable of mistakes and and they are more than happy to help us. But we got to do what we can to make their job easy, just like they have to do what they can to make our job easy. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What, have you guys ever done a done a, uh, a um uh, a tower visit? Gone up in the tower. Yeah. Or ATC facility. Uh-huh. Cool. 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 Scott, have you ever done it? No, I have not. 
No. Yeah, you should you should sometime it'll yeah. it'll it's eye-opening. I'm not welcome. A little bit. It's a lot of people ha- like the break room. Maybe a lot of people hanging out, relaxing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a bad gig. I definitely don't think it's a bad gig. It's like Club Med. I heard it's pretty much. I heard it's pretty much just like a bar, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know about that. Well, yeah. that. I hear they all stash your alcohol in the bathroom, and that's. <laughs> Scott's starting rumors now. Scott's wow. Scott's. That's uh, just, wow. I'm not saying. I'm not saying I know this for a fact. I'm just saying I've heard. They stash your alcohol in the bathroom. Go in there. And Scott, take uh, a couple Starting, starting the rumor, <laughs> rumor train going on here. Hey, hey man, you know you gotta, you know what? gotta. If it, whatever helps you focus. If it's not true and you're you're involved with ATC, comment or email us. At where should they email us, Rob? F A R A I M at scottboris.com for that particular. If, if you want to uh, dispute my claim, if you want to dispute that rumor, <laughs> please email the show. Yeah, we, let's we put a pin in that. We, yeah. If you're ACC, we would love to hear from you about your opinions on anything we've said tonight. I, Honestly. Robert Berger, yeah. do not believe that rumor. Just as I want to make that clear. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's always there's always one bad egg that makes if you're ATC and everybody. you're listening tonight and you you have any disputes with anything we've said or you have any critiques of anything we've said, please feel free to email us. By us, we mean F A R A I M at scottboris dot com B O R E S. And I don't I don't mean to you know it's not that will, you do Scott it it's not, you know, if you're ATZ and you're offended by what I've said, I'm not accusing you of you specifically. I'm just saying I've heard that ATC in general likes to drink a little bit. So that could be one reason why they're not getting back to you in a timely fashion. <laughs> but, but one of the other, some of the other reasons might be there's other aircraft they're handling. You got to think there, there's other coworkers that they are coordinating with and other ATC facilities they're coordinating handoffs with. So you don't think about it, but they have a phone next to them. And just like you calling in on the radio for something and they have to handle you, they have another ATC, completely a completely different ATC facility, air traffic control facility calling them saying, hey, we need to do this with this aircraft. So they have other controllers and other pilots all trying to do the same thing. So they're dealing with that. And I mean, that's not to mention, you know, their primary job of maintaining separation between aircraft. So, I mean, they're like doing like five things at once. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not terrible and it's pretty automated now, but I mean, it's, there's a reason it's so stressful. It's considered one of the most stressful jobs you can have, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the, like the, you know, the like really recent studies show what the most stressful jobs are, but I know it's got to, I mean, I know it's always been one of the more stressful. Yeah, I, I mean, you think like a pilot, you got a hundred lives, they got thousands of lives that pass through their hands in an hour. It's crazy. It's crazy. Now, uh, again, well, yeah, I mean, there's a reason they're compensated the way they are. And I mean, I'm very thankful for them. They are a tremendous resource for all of us pilots. A lot of them do. I mean, they are a lot of them have schedules. Like when they go on for a shift, it's still like an hour on, like an hour off or something or two hours off. No, or something. no, it's an hour on like 15 minutes off. No, I, I yes. took a tower tour one time. They got hammocks. 
you go down a couple floors below the main deck. They got like hammocks laying around. They got PlayStation set up. They might have like a long, uh, a long break, several hours in, but it's not an hour on, two hours off. We need to get a guest, or you'd have that job. That would be. We need to get an ATC guest on here to (laughs) give us their side of the story. We can get multiple ATC guests, and I think that would be a great resource for our listeners and us as well. I mean, there are a plethora of information. They help us out every day that we go fly. Think of what they could add to our like understanding the big picture, like on the ground, like right now. We could get some right. Call of Duty tips from them because they were playing Call of Duty when I went. They were on like a two-hour raid. Oh my god! I don't know where I, dude. I don't know what tower you went in. What tower did you? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious now. Is yeah, that, no one, you know, it's down here in Florida. Yeah, okay, yeah, right, okay. Not, yeah, everything's not a little there. different down there. Not yeah, up there. That's yeah. good. A Florida man. So, yeah. Uh, just wrapping this up, Cliff Notes, um, you know, plan. Make sure your equipment's like in tip top shape. Make sure you got the knobs in the right places. You've kind of done your radio checks. Um, give ATC some time. They got a billion things on their mind that they are covering. You're not the only thing that they have to do right now. They could be coordinating an emergency, you know, with somebody right behind them. Um, uh, that's that's kind of the we've talked about the light gun signals. Um, I mean, I can't think of much else really to sum up uh, the, this uh, aim section here. Yeah, no, it's that pretty much the pretty much the cliff notes. That is the cliff notes version of it. Uh, stuck Mike, oh. I see here, which is oh, stuck Mike. Have you ever have you ever experienced that? I've experienced. I I have semi sort of done that um, intermittently, um, but yeah, I mean I, I've seen it done, and I've been on the frequency that stuck Mike was on. So that's one thing. You know, you, the more flying you do, keep that. It almost needs to be in your scan. And over time, as long as you have your volume up in what's called side tone, which is your ability to hear yourself, as long as that is all like well dialed in. You should be able to tell when there's frequency or, or when you're the one jamming up the frequency, when there's that change in, in feedback or what's called the carrier tone um, through the lack of side tone or, or um, the um, uh, extent of the side tone. Uh, you should be able to tell that you're the one keying it up. But yeah, every once in a while, I look over and glance. Most uh, transceivers, radios, they have like a TXP or just a T for transmit or something like that Some little, that enunciates little light. when you key it up. Yeah, a little, yeah, a little light in the in the nav com, or in the nav um, or the com frequency somewhere around in there that will light up or whatever enunciate when you're keyed up. So that, that's a good that's a good thing. And if you have two coms. Always make sure that second one is dialed into 21.5. You know, that's the guard frequency. That's what all the old um, emergency locator transmitters, ELTs, were uh, uh, broadcasting on. And since the satellites are no longer monitoring that with the new 406 megahertz, um, it's still up to us, you know, as, you know, the pilots out there flying, even the airlines. That That is part of our regular, not our regulations, but part of our operations manual policies is to always have that number, that standby comm dialed into 215 to listen for uh, downed aircraft or anybody transmitting on that frequency. Um, so if you're lost or... 215 like is that, the emergency frequency? 
It is, yeah. And, but I mean, don't I mean don't 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 think that that's the only time it can ever be used or broadcast upon. You know, well, what else would you I mean, use we used it? to call it the the. Well, if you, there's a stuck mic on your primary frequency, okay. So if you're if you're not the one with a stuck mic, somebody else has one, which stops you from being able to talk to the ATC facility, and you like need something or need to do something different, and you want to give them a heads up. You need to transmit on the guard frequency or emergency frequency 121.5 to get that point, to get that across them. And it will take them a little bit to get to you, but uh, cause they got to switch all kinds of stuff. I don't know, but they gotta, they gotta basically get all their stuff dialed in to talk to you on that frequency. So it can be useful in that regard too. Makes sense. What does it sound like if you're listening for the ELT, like the old school ELT got set off? What What's that going to sound like coming over the, the guard frequency. You want me to make a sound right now? No, is it just a beeping yes, noise? Do it. Or? Do it. No. <laughs> I, I, I mean, do it. I can't even. No, I can't. It's a beeping noise. Something sort of. No, it's, no, it's not a beeping. It's more like a. I don't yeah. even know. I, do it. Almost like, duplicate it. I can't. Why? I, I honestly, I honestly I don't know. Practice. I honestly don't know. I don't know what it is. So you're going to have to do this, Lee. One Scott, of us you, no. Scott, you act of, like you know what it is, though. If I knew what it was, I would do it. I right would now. say it's like a boo, 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 boo. It's like that. It's almost that's very close, actually. I'm surprised that, that I was, just pulled that out of the game. That was excellent. I don't know how good that came through the mic. That's that's I don't know. Enough, um, I would like to think that mine sounded better than Scott's. Though. Probably. This well, is this, this that's is getting if good. I knew if I knew what it sounded like, I would do it. Oh, you don't even know. You're just emulating me, and you didn't oh. even do a good job. Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, Not denying any of that. <laughs> yeah, it's Guilty as like charged. Right? Yeah, it's it's something like that, and if you listen to that frequency, and you're going on a long trip, you will hear it at some point. Really? That, I mean, that's a fact. You, that, go on a five, you go on a 500-mile trip, you will hear it. You, well, you got to think a hard landing will set it off. I mean, how many, how many hard landings are there a day at a GA airport? None. No, I've never had. Well, a probably heart. none because nobody's flying. GA is dying. Fly by a South Florida airport where training's going on. Uh, it's getting set off yeah. left and right. I bet you got no problem hearing it. Dialing that dialing twenty one five on your handheld, Rob. You'll hear yeah. it. GA is not dying, Lee. It's just I know. I, I don't no, know. We, we're starting that. our we're starting our uh, bar at every airport campaign. We're gonna right. we're getting that. That's we're getting that up. Be. That's, that's a, a shot in the arm to generally. That's, yeah, that's, fund that's yeah. a stimulus package if I ever like, heard yeah. of. Like Rob said last week, look at the boating industry. Alcohol keeps it alive. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Say use no the more. Thing, people. The, people would hang out. Like people used to hang out at airports all the time. Right. That's right. They thought light sport was the savior. I'm saying light beer is the savior. Right. That's, exactly. Yeah. That should be a slogan. Uh, we should make uh, that a T-shirt. Every trademark. Trademark. Ohio yes. Ohio decided that it was going to have an airport in every county. Why not decide that it's going to have a bar at every airport in Erie County? Besides every Erie County. County. Obviously, Erie County doesn't count because I'm not really sure why, but we're not allowed to have an airport. We we, uh, we should work on this it. legislation. You share, with an, you share it with an... Yeah, let's do it. Let's all yeah. run for some... Uh, some government position and get this... get this Run this up the flagpole. Right. Yep. All right, is that, is, that, is that all we got? Is that all she wrote? I think that's all I got. All right. 
Well, hit us. Okay. Well, thanks for uh, listening, guys. Uh, you have our uh, emails. We got uh, Robert or our far F A R A I M at robertburger.com. And uh, mine's uh, F A R A I M at leegriffing.com. We got Scott's at uh, F A R A I M at scottboris.com. Um, give him all the hate mail. We appreciate yeah, whatever. it. Whatever. I don't care. He'll so handle it the best. <laughs> That's right. He's Give it all the sober, yeah. all the sober ATC people listening. Uh, send your yeah. comments. Right. To, if to you, if you're angry about anything to do with the show, just send it to me because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's all we got. We will uh, see you next time. See you later. Later. It's like letting the inmates run the asylum here. I know. <laughs>